0: Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is C.K. Lin. Noble Warriors, where I interview multidimensional entrepreneurs about their spiritual discipline. We'll deconstruct their mindset, mental models, actionable tactics, so you can go out and take them, and engineer your life with more impact and fulfillment. If you have other entrepreneur friends who could use more inspiration and especially more actionable tactics around gaining and deepening an experience of love, please share this episode with them. They'll thank you for it. My next guest is Allison Armstrong. She's the founder of Pex Programs Incorporated. She's best known for her Understanding Men course, The Queen's Code Book, and her In Sync with the Opposite Sex audio program. Allison has dedicated the last 30 years of her life giving millions of people access to more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. We talked about... Her origin story, what compelled her to jump into this work in the first place. The what-if question that saved her life. And why she loves archetypes and the limitations of archetypes. And why freedom is her highest value and how she maximizes her value. The three components that she uses to deepen our experience of love. And what are the six hidden dominant drivers that drive our choices? the two things you need to get more of what you want as a receiver in a relationship. And finally, how do you clarify what you need as a human being at the deepest level? Please enjoy my conversation with Alison Armstrong. Thank you so much for being here. I want to actually give you a real quick personal acknowledgement. The work that you have done, I just so appreciate. I love the fact that you emphasize over and over again that men are not unevolved women. We're not hairy women. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing broken with any of us, really, not just men, but also men and women. Mm-hmm. And I love the specific takeaway from the work that you've done is you demonstrated to me where you asked people to raise their hand when they felt physically compromise about their safety and that was very eye-opening for me when i saw that i was like wow i i personally as a man never worry about physical safety when i go out but even more than the content itself what i felt is this deep place of empathy and compassion and i felt understood by someone with the linguistic skills that i didn't have to articulate what's really going on in my mind so I so appreciate the work that you do, Allison.
1: Thank you, and you're welcome. You're very welcome.
0: So you had said it many, many times. You started from a place of being a frog farmer. Can you unpack <laughs> that just a little bit for people who are not familiar with the story of Allison Armstrong? Just, just a short one minute, two minute version, a of, the
1: version of it. Um, well. It's elaborated on in the Queen's Code. Kim really goes through it. It really happened to me. Um, 30 years ago this month, a friend of mine was called a frog farmer um, after she asked, Why is it that men are really wonderful in the beginning and then <laughs> turn into sports watching, pizza eating, beer belching, couch slips? And um, she asked that in front of a couple hundred people, and she was called a frog farmer, which is a woman who, instead of turning frogs into princes, turns princes into frogs. And uh, she completely repelled the concept, and I loved it because I've been fascinated by cause and effect for a long time. I've been fascinated by... How many things in our lives we struggle with because of what I call false cause. We assign false cause, and so we're working on something that isn't actually happening, and which is what I've been doing with men for a very long time. I've been working on something that wasn't actually happening, and so it wasn't effective. An idea that I could be doing something that was bringing out worst in men was very exciting to me because. I knew I could change my behavior, right? i I'd, I'd been mm-hmm. involved in transformation at that point for eleven years, right? Mm-hmm. I started when I was nineteen years old, and and I knew I could transform myself, right? I failed at changing anybody else, so the idea that if I could discover what I was doing that brought out the worst in men, which I had no idea what it was because I was so normal, right? I didn't have I didn't have any reflection of something different right so i didn't have any reason to believe that men were different than women believe men are right until this comment and uh so that was that was exciting to me and i started with the question what if men are responding to women Mm -hmm. and and i'm stoked i really don't know where these questions come from um you mentioned spirituality earlier but that question saved me because i didn't try to prove that men were responding to women and I didn't try to prove that you weren't. I just was like, what if? And so I learned all these ways that men are responding to a woman directly, to what she said, what she did, the look on her face, the information she provided or didn't provide. But I also found out all these ways that men are not responding to women. And, you know, CK, you know this, you guys have a saying, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Mm-hmm. And he'd actually be ashamed if he were responding to a woman. Right? That he's got to do the right thing, no matter how he feels. So no, mad, He's got to do the right thing no matter if he loves her. He's got to do the right thing no matter if he's mad at her. He's got to do the right thing whether he wants to, you know, get as far away from her as possible. He's going to do the right thing, whether it has anything to do with her or not. And, uh, and so one of the biggest revelations, and I'll, I'll stop. We can talk about them as you want, but mostly women have it backwards. We think you're responding to us when you're not, and we think you're not responding to us when you
0: are. So, so I want to actually jump ahead a little bit, not necessarily mm-hmm. segue from where where you were. Yeah, I know that you yeah. focus a lot on archetypes, especially the yeah. book that was seminal to me, the amazing development of men, where you focus yeah. on archetypes a lot. I'm very curious to know when you make things into archetypes now it's hierarchical right from from page to prince to king and so forth now the perception is it's better to be a king than a prince than a page Could you speak a little bit about the use of archetypes and potentially the limitation of archetypes I love personally love archetypes but I'm curious to know your thought
1: well it's interesting um I have never thought of them as hierarchical. Mm. So when you just said that, I'm like, what? A king's better than a prince? Oh my gosh. They're so different. There's advantages and disadvantages, right? Mm-hmm. Um pages, oh my gosh, pages, amazing. So I actually haven't thought of it as hierarchical any more than getting older mm. ought to be hierarchical. Someone could get older but it'd be no more than they were before right? Mm. So the stages of development um, were exciting for me, just as a way of, of making sense of what if there's a good reason for everything men do? What if there's a good reason for everything men are compelled by? And mm. then later on, as I wanted to understand women better, because, because what men were telling me about women, I d- didn't understand, I'd never, I'd never seen what men showed me in women. And mm. women, um, again, it can be listened to as her- hierarchical, the temptress, the mother, and the queen. Mm-hmm. But no, every woman has the capacity to be all three of them, and we're actually the most powerful when we have access to all three of them, when they're in partnership with each other. Mm. So um, and then I mean I like archetypes because they connect with us. Like I have another set of archetypes I call. I call it monarchs, pirates, gamblers, and prostitutes. Mm. And there are types of fundamental ways of relating to interactions with other people. And it affects our relationships with money, affection, sex, uh, working with other people, all kinds of things. So I love them just because they help to um, crystallize for the brain. And and the brain learns by the perception of a difference. So, so we, the more we can like distinguish something, separate it, then the brain can grab it. And then it can actually see the room in between, right? But yeah. you have to pull it apart to be able to see it. Um, in neuroscience, we call it exaggeration. Um, but once you pull it apart so someone can see it, then you can really deal with nuances in between. But until you pulled it apart, you're pretty much infected.
0: I I really, I mean, I'm for sure 100% aligned and, and I really appreciated how you articulated it. Because in my mind, we have all of the archetypes. We can access any of the archetypes at any given time. And it's really have e- access, really equal access. If the situation calls for a king, king shows up a warrior warrior shows up versus you know i i have to be a warrior at all times and that's very limiting that's the way i think about it so so appreciate it yeah. well
1: i'm my highest value is freedom and in my observation people's highest value is the thing that for them gives them access to all the goodies right mm-hmm. and freedom means the power to choose so the power to choose this is a warrior moment right which is all about protecting or this is a king moment which is all about providing right versus this is an elder moment which is all about being a resource so you're a provider but you don't push yourself on other people right um to be able to choose those moments which only comes from choosing to be present, <laughs> the hardest thing for human beings. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated the box breathing before we started, that was awesome.
0: Thank you. So so I'm curious, you know, because at as surface level glance, mm-hmm. one may say, oh, Alison Armstrong, that you know, it's boxing me into a archetype per se, right? Versus mm-hmm. really deeming, uh, delving into your work. And, and now you're like, oh wow, there's actually a lot of nuance and, and possibility with it. So how do you respond to someone who says, I'm infinite possibilities, don't box me in into your patriarchal or stereotypes, you know, on men and women and what we're supposed to do or the evolution biological, blah, blah, blah. How would well, you respond to that?
1: Um, um, well, I very rarely get said something like that. Um, I'm usually the one, like I have people who will will talk to me about the patriarchy, right? So, hana 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 the patriarchy. You like, oh, know, excuse me, but I've never met a patriarchy. What are you talking about? Um, as I can tell, the more I've studied the men, the more I seeing how much men are compelled to serve, right? Much more compelled to serve than to be served. And um, and I think if we looked like at our society, um, if people weren't, see, how would I say this? So what people tend to do, right, is they, there's this possibility, right? Something really beautiful and we measure ourselves against that possibility that the gap is what's wrong, right? And and that happens a lot with, say, women and equality in the workplace. We measure against this idealism. If we measured against a little over 100 years ago, women were considered too stupid to learn to type. Honestly, <laughs> mm. if we measured against uh, being property to owning property to generating wealth, mm. um, if we measured against what we were thought of capable as doing to how many women are given leadership positions in corporations by men they're given them by men because all the men really care about is results and being effective and they don't care whether you have an in or an outie. like if if we were really paying attention to what's happened we would call it a revolution we, we, we go holy moly look what's happened in the last 50 years instead of look what hasn't happened and what it should be so um <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, the same thing with masculine and feminine. I used, I gave up using those words because they're so, um, laden with right and wrong and, uh, objectification and Mm. idea that we're fixed. And, um, my, my work in horsemanship, which has been, a great aspect, a great access for me to partnership is all about having an infinite ability to respond. At Mm -hmm. every moment, I want an infinite ability to respond. Mm -hmm. And and if you understand, if you can see what compels you in the first place, which is not responding, being compelled is no choice. Mm -hmm. If you're unaware of what you're compelled by, like the instinct to protect or the instinct to provide, or the instinct to create, if you're unaware of how much you're compelled, then you'll never have an infinite ability to respond. Because that infinite ability shows up in the moment of awareness. I'm compelled, I could choose something else. And most people aren't even ever aware that they're compelled.
0: So I, I wanna follow up with that thought, hit a pause on that real quick. Tactical question, tactical tactical question. Okay, because I'm again we're definitely aligned. It's all about yeah. in my mind when I talk about masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about gender, I'm talking about the energetics, right? The tendency of it. Yeah. The language itself is so laden with a lot of the historical context that I didn't need really need to carry. So a little coaching for me. If if not using those terms to describe the polarities, what do you use? Because words are so limiting. I need to say something yes. to point to that, right? How do you how do you is it hunter-gatherer? Is that what you go to now? Or what do you what do well, you say?
1: I went from masculine and feminine to hunter and gatherer, and then immediately people, he's such a hunter, she's such a hunter, right? She's such a gatherer. Again, objectification. So mostly I traffic in ING words now, mm. which are states of being, thinking, processing, right? So they're active, they're fluid. So are you in mm. hunting mode? Are you in gathering mode? Are you in a mental state of commitment, mm. right? Are in a committed state of mind, which is going to actually change the way that you perceive and process and speak and listen and everything or are you in an open state of mind a connective Mm -hmm. state of mind right are you about in this moment are you about productivity or connectivity Mm -hmm. right so more more fluid more active more indicating how changeable we are and that it's also um it's not just our state of mind like our state of mind affects literally our state of biology right it, mm-hmm. we affect our own hormones with our thoughts and then our hormones affect our thoughts mm-hmm. so that can be in a downward spiral or it can be in an upward spiral it can be in partnership or it can be antagonistic so I, I'm always dealing more in in paradigms if you will um then uh then the the false sense of certainty that labeling gives people. Right? We're that. compelled yeah. to label things because it makes us feel like we have it, it literally a handle, right? A label handle. Okay, yeah. I got a handle on that, right? And uh, it's a false sense of certainty and it makes us less effective while feeling like we'll be more effective, we're actually less effective.
0: Mm. So so instead of going for a quote-unquote efficiency like let me give you a handle let me give you a title let me give you an identity you can call mm-hmm. you that really literally well maybe metaphorically box you in or yes. or, or, or literally he does. instead of doing that focus on the ever shifting state the ing you know yes. what are you ing in this moment a way of being this moment yeah. as the situation arises. yeah
1: yeah near as i can tell Um, The only things that we really can control, like have a say in, have a choice in, which are the only things actually happening with ourselves and between us and other people um, are how are we being, how are we listening, and how are we speaking. Those three things. And of those three things, most people pay the most attention to speaking. What should I say? How should I say it? When how we listen is so much more important than how we're speaking. Mm. And how we're being, it communicates way more than anything we ever say. being is actually the universal language. And when how someone's being doesn't agree with how they're speaking, people will only choose the speaking when their words they're hoping to hear. Right. And they'll ignore the being that's telling them this is incongruent.
0: This is incongruent. So, so I want to make it I want to make it practical. We'll get to the practical yeah. applications of this in just a moment, but I want to segue right. to this thing that you had drawn in one of your other podcasts. It was a downward spiral. You had talked about the evolution biological mindset, hunting versus gathering, right? Gender yeah. and then its instincts procreate, protect, and provide. Yes you prefer this over the identity level beliefs or the circumstances cause and effect. So I'm curious to know why is it empirical? Is it like based on thousands of people that have you coached the biological mindset, hunter gathering, uh, and then the instincts dominates a whole lot more than, uh, identity level beliefs or the cause and effect based on circumstances. Know your thoughts on that.
1: Well, um, um a man named Brian Regnier, who um a, a largely unknown titan in transformation. Um
0: I, I got know. wisdom to, course.
1: Wisdom course, very good. Yes. Yeah. So um I I got to be in the original wisdom course, the very mm-hmm. first exploration one, and then the second one. Mm-hmm. And what Brian said in that first course was Um, if you're struggling with something, you may be trying to solve it at a level that's different than the level it's actually happening at. Mm. And this is what I mean by false cause. So most people are trying to solve their relationship issues, right? (laughs) Um, Both words are problematic. They're trying to solve them at the level of individual at the level of my personality, my sun sign, my history, right? My birth order, my ethnicity, my religion, my socioeconomic status. We try to solve it as all these things that I could might say are are true about me. Mm -hmm. But in interacting, geez, it's been 30 years, more than 40 years of transformation, right? 30 years since I started studying men, people will they'll ask me a question so why would a man blah 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 i actually can answer the question after that but then they're compelled to tell me the situation the 30-year history not necessary because it had nothing to do with the situation nothing to do with the history it has to do with exactly why every man would do that right Mm -hmm. Barely every man would do that, right? And so it's just um, we—it's just something to take on. What if anything you're struggling with, you're working on it at a level that it isn't happening yet? Um, may I share? May I share something with you?
0: Please, of course.
1: So about 15 years ago, um, I'll save you the backstory. I took on letting go of everything that isn't love. Mm. and every birthday I recommitted to it and usually about a month before my birthday i get a preview of what am i gonna have to stick my face in for the next year not pretty mm. <laughs> greed despair anger um oh my gosh pride arrogance I, I could just go on and on right and this last year in October my birthday is, what came to me very clearly was let go of everything that isn't love, especially for yourself. Mm. Ugh, that was worse than any of them. Right. Let
0: go of everything that isn't love, especially for yourself. As yeah. A, let go of like anything me, that isn't self-love. Is that-
1: yeah. That, like let go of everything that isn't love, especially for myself. Mm. And the, the, first place to go to right especially as a as a woman would be feeling love for myself Mm. right How, how do I have a feeling of love for me well fortunately I paid a lot of attention to love which talk about infinite right what if love is infinite and eternal and and so it's not personal love is not personal at all but my personal experience of love, like this space, how big the space is that I have to experience love, what, it, what determines how much love I experience? And I've been working on this for a really long time. And, and my assertion is that it has to do with respect, admiration, and affinity. Affinity mm-hmm. is to like somebody, right? So the more respect you have for someone, then your experience of love for them is going to grow. The more admiration, your experience of love for them, it's going to feel bigger, right? The more you like them, like you just prefer how that person is. That's so cool how they handle that, right? The more you like them, your experience of love is going to grow. And then when they do things that cause you to lose respect, it shrinks, cause you to lose admiration, it shrinks, cause you to... I don't like that. I don't like them. It shrinks. What if it's just that simple? Well, fortunately, when given the assignment, especially for myself, that was right there available to me. Oh, if I'm going to let go of everything that isn't love, especially for myself, I need to stop doing the things that that cost me respect for myself. Stop Mm. doing the things that cost me admiration for myself. Stop doing the things that cost me liking myself. I gotta stop doing those. I have to cut it out. I can't entertain them anymore. And and I need to do more of the things that expand respect, admiration, and affinity for myself. And literally, CK, this is what has me go out in one digit, one digit weather, right? Like three degrees out. Bundle up, go out in three degrees, in the dark, maybe snowing, and give my horse her pain medicine. Mm. (laughs) Because if I don't, I lose respect for myself. Mm. If I do, I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm that person. Something as simple as that, that I've struggled with for years. She's been on this medicine for like three years, almost every night. No, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep right no i just cut it out mm. because i didn't realize how much it was eating away at my own respect for myself I was ashamed of myself that i let my horse go through the night in pain mm. so we wanted to get practical right um that's a way to get practical mm. what are the things that we do that cost us respect admiration and affinity for ourselves which by the way ck the more we put up with that in us, the the, the more we put up with it in other people, mm-hmm. the more we don't, we, we literally put up with, Brian Ringer said this too, like what, what kills relationships? He said, putting up with things you can't tolerate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought put up with and tolerate meant the same thing. And then I looked up tolerance and it said, the ability to be with without any loss of respect, admiration, or affinity. Oh <laughs> that's why in Los Angeles it's the museum of tolerance, not the museum of putting up with. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so what are we putting up with in ourselves or in other people that's costing respect admiration or affinity for them or for us? You start interacting at that level instead of personality Or justification, it's because, you know, remember his upbringing, remember the culture he comes from, remember, like all these things that we used to justify people being not the best people they could be. We can have compassion for what causes us to not be that, but I think it's disrespectful to settle for it, to think that little of you or to think that little of me.
0: So let me recap real quick, then I'll ask a follow-up question. That's my sister over here on this podcast, okay? So what you're saying I love is...
1: how you do that, by the way. It's awesome. It's such a good setup. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, let me reinterpret of what you're saying is um, every time you take on that way of being, you gain respect to yourself. Or in landmark would be you honor your word to yourself first and foremost. You show up that way then you're at a much quote unquote, better space to uh, engage with another. Is that roughly what you said? Is that accurate? Or did I totally mess it up?
1: Um, honoring your word is awesome. Uh, for many people, just giving their word would be a breakthrough. So many people won't even, won't commit, won't promise anything um because of the risk of failing. And um, I mean it's a whole topic we could have. This the source of my ability to do what I do is because I became a failure when I was 28 years old. That's a whole other topic. And um most human beings are driven by not failing. To succeed and not fail, to live and not die, and and that's why we're easy to manipulate. So yes, give your word, keep your word. Um, you know, as you can tell, I, I mean, I I was profoundly influenced by the the group of people that that came out of what was called Mind Dynamics um, and who started Psy and S and Life Spring. And um, and I, you know, one of my favorite things, CK, was something where Earhart said, which was, um, he talked about how we use words, right? Language is so important. And most people use words in a way that I'm really good at, which is what you would call a word to world match so to
0: word to world match okay a
1: word to world match how accurately can you describe your own experience how accurately can you describe the world that you live in the world that someone else lives in so you know the last 30 years have been a word to world match a man's world a woman's world a producer's world a connector's world right like how how accurately can I describe the experience of men and women in relationship? And, and it's what has people say, Have you been following me around? Right? Because I have a word to world match that I'm very um, precise about. <laughs> My boyfriend calls me Priscilla. It's like, OK, Priscilla. Right? So I'm very precise in this word to world match. But the thing that, um, that Werner Earhart challenged us to, was a a world to word match that if you give your word and do everything it takes to have the world match what you said then your word actually becomes a creative act Mm. that's what i've been doing for so long is is speaking that which is I, i say is possible and then doing everything to cause it to go from possibility to
0: truth so quick question about that because yeah. we we started from what is anything that's not love ex where was it what yeah. if love
1: letting let go of everything that isn't love
0: thank you <laughs> especially for myself right that's the place where you started
1: yes that was so- my my
0: 60th birthday challenge, especially for myself. You amazing. So the question I have is, is this. So if we love ourselves infinitely, why the effort to be cognizant about anything that's not our highest self? Because I get this question a lot, right? Hey, CK, you're know, thinking about this way too much. Just enjoy life, you know, forget about all this inquiry and philosophizing and then quote unquote the work doing the work right ayahuasca and all these type of things <laughs> and frankly frankly honestly I, I thought about that a lot frankly i do it because i enjoy it i like it that's why i do it so i'm curious to know from your perspective as a, as a seeker as a teacher as a philosopher in your own right how do you reconcile this desire to do quote unquote work curious yeah.
1: Well, I would challenge where you began with if we love ourselves infinitely, mm. um, we're, I would assert we're a duality, right? It's in our biology, um, it's in our brains. Uh, we have two different nervous systems, right? One that's uh, all about survival and one that's all about something way beyond survival. And, um, What you said about you do what you do, frankly, because you enjoy it, Um, we were talking about archetypes before, right? And I used to have a set of archetypes that were objectifications that now we speak about in terms of ways of being, we call them your hidden dominant drivers, right? So are you most compelled by building, by enjoying, by expressing, by sharing with other people, by growing and becoming, or by knowing and acquiring knowledge, right? So six different archetypes.
2: Mm. And,
1: um, and we start with people looking at what do they spend most of their time doing, right? So what are they doing? What are they spending their money on, their time, on their energy, on what are they doing? And they'll think they found their archetype. But then the question is, why? All those things you're doing, why do you, why are you doing them? What are they for? What is the inherent good? What's in service to it? So I always thought I was a builder, right? I'm a builder together with people I enjoy. (laughs) Um, no. No. Everything I do serves expressing the messages that come through me, the truths that I perceive, the constellations my brain makes out of a starry sky everything i've ever spent time building and i've spent my whole life doing it and all my money and all my time right it was it's always in order that something be expressed and um so the what for is really important right do you grow ultimately so that you're enjoying life And enjoying is often thought of as like frivolous. But if you look at enjoying, enjoying, enjoy, living in joy, bringing joy to grief, bringing joy to death, bringing joy to boredom, bringing joy to the mundane, thank goodness for people who are driven by enjoying. Um, There's a lot of trash that actually gets picked up in life (laughs) in, in all contexts um for the purpose of being able to live in joy so you you go see <laughs> cake you go allison you as well
0: so um recently i had a family member who passed so this what you just said is very poignant to me especially in this moment so i, I i'm looking at the time i can literally talk to you for hours but since the time is so limited i want to ask you two questions okay yeah, Sure. one important aspect that you had talked about is honoring ourselves right you had and I'm quoting you we treat people like how we treat ourselves when we know how to honor ourselves we can then teach others how to honor us. do you want to say something about that?
1: Well I don't think I said we treat people the way I treat ourselves okay. um, we teach people how to treat us Got by it. how we treat by how we treat ourselves so the the whole phrase is, is honor yourself first or all is lost. Mm. And the reason being that you won't ever let anybody treat you better than you treat yourself. You won't let them, you won't be able to receive it because you'll be afraid of what obligation it will cause you um, to have to them. If they're treating you better than you would treat yourself, you now owe them something. Um if you're not modeling how to respect you then they don't know how to respect you they're going to project onto you and they will risk they'll show you respect probably the way they want to be shown respect and this causes a lot of problems especially with opposing instincts right the most common being that when a woman is upset a man out of care and respect will leave her alone and yes.
0: I do that. Yes. Yes. Huge
1: mistake.
0: Huge mistake. Yes.
1: Yes. And then out of love (laughs) and care, when a man's upset, a woman will pet him. She'll come to him. She'll follow him. She'll track him down to take care of him. So the opposite is what we give what we need. So men want to be left alone, handle it themselves, recover themselves, come back a better person. A woman needs help come, come, give me the, throw me the lifeline. So, Mm. yeah, so if we don't, if we're not modeling, this is how to respect me. This is how to give me what I need. This is how to take care of me. Um, Then no one knows how to do it. And then, and this goes back to respect, admiration, affinity. We mostly make ourselves unbelievable. Um, Like a woman will say that she's tired and so, if she lives with a man, he'll be like, "Okay, so honey, go to bed." And and she doesn't go to bed. <laughs> I'll take care of the kids. You go to bed. And she doesn't go to bed. <laughs> so, if we don't honor our word, is the way you would say it. If we don't say what we need and then protect what we need, um, we become unbelievable that we don't really need that. So why should I go out of my way to give you what you need? When you don't get into what you need, it, it must not be real. You must not mean it. So, um, is that enough of, on that? Is that what you were asking for?
0: Oh no no, this is great. So I oh, wanna no. I wanna cite some example that you gave that I thought was super awesome because you know I I like practical like tactical mm-hmm. advice. I, I love the 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 um, the example you gave uh, for your daughter for giving to cultivating this sense of self-love i own that i own it i acknowledge it and say it in your head or write it out that was super tactical is there anything you else want to say about that in terms of cultivating this self-honoring
1: well uh i would say clarity is king and one of the biggest things that will um mess us up is the difference between an expectation and a need. And expect things that we need that we expect, things that we need that we don't expect, things that we expect that we don't actually need, (laughs) things we expect that we do need. And um, mostly relationships are based on expectations and how well are we fulfilling the other person's expectations without ever having to say what they are, right? And how well are they fulfilling ours without us ever having to say it? Because that's the nature of an expectation. It's something that should happen without me having to do anything about it. And this is what, um, it's a killer. And it's the same thing with ourselves. We have expectations of ourselves and whether we're failing at our own expectations um, is gonna have a lot to do with our affinity for ourselves, right? But have we really sat down and gone, where did that expectation come from? Am I going to own it? Am I going to claim it, right? Or is that um, what I would call (laughs) dog hair and foxtails, right? You sit down on the couch and you stand up with dog hair all over your end. Did you intend that? Did you choose that? You walk through a meadow and you come home with a sock full of foxtails. And they they could work their way into your bloodstream and all the way to your heart. Did Mm -hmm. you intend that? So so examining everything we think should happen, everything someone else should be, everything I should be, wait a second, am I gonna own it or am I gonna release it?
0: How do you release it?
1: Um, well, I use the Sedona methods. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm
0: Personally, I know of it, I'm not personally familiar with the, with the process itself.
1: Oh my gosh, it is, um, Lester Levinson who who created the first Sedona Method and then Hale Dwoskin who's carried on the legacy and blown it up like crazy. He's he's one of my heroes. Um, It's one of the quickest, most effortless, effective ways of restoring yourself that I've ever met. And I am Mm. huge on restoring yourself.
2: Mm.
1: And um, it operates on the principle that what you resist persists, um, which is, you know, basic tenet of transformation, what you resist persists. And so instead of resisting, you welcome, could you welcome um, to have a friend, powerful, powerful pain in his shoulders from his neck. And I just taught him welcoming. Mm -hmm. And he was stunned right because he spent so much time enduring resisting this pain i invited him just to welcome it every time it showed up assume it's a new pain not still there it's just a new pain a new pain welcome 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 it instantly transformed his experience of life and how much energy he had he just kept welcoming the pain mm. Welcome, welcome welcome Hale dwaskin has tinnitus most people would go crazy with a constant mm-hmm. ringing in their ears yeah, yeah. he's just welcoming it he spends no energy on it just welcomes 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 so uh yeah it's powerful stuff i, I encourage everybody um i have hale's permission to teach mm. methods in any training i ever do
2: <laughs> oh that's beautiful
1: yeah and they're incorporated in our online curriculum we have oh. we have sedona method stuff in there so
0: yeah, definitely, guys. In case you don't, you haven't received it enough yet. Allison's definitely in the real deal. Definitely go to understandman.com. Check out her work. I wanted to give some other uh, practical uh, yeah. analogy that you gave, which I really love. You you said that the job of a provider and the receiver, it is the receiver's job to be clear about what they want and show appreciation in the other person's currency when receiving. Now, I love particularly the example you gave. You say you held your late husband's hand in two places where I want acknowledgement for this, this, and this. (laughs) this, Here's how you acknowledge me. I was (laughs) like, as a man, as someone who loves to actually see results, that's just like, gold. Yeah. Thank you for that. A credit tour. I get a
1: credit tour. To take him around, hold my hand, take him around and, and show him everything I had done, everything I cleaned, everything I fixed, everything I made more beautiful. And and he would notice it go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then that was it on appreciation. Yeah, receiving, providing and receiving uh, is one of my favorite topics in terms of upward spirals mm-hmm. um, that can also be down into the sewer. That the person who needs or wants something, I'm not so big on wants, it just means lack. um, Mm. It's very much based in survival. Um, Whereas a need has a huge cost to not having met and a huge benefit to having met. Like Mm. sleep, for example, right? Huge cost, huge benefit in who we are being, right? So... The person who has a need, they're the receiver, and their job is to be clear about what the need is. And then the hard part is to release to the provider how they provide it. Mm -hmm. Because too much will hold on to both. So if I need something from UCK, but I can't figure out how you'll provide it for me, Like Mm -hmm. where would you ever find the time or how would you ever have the energy or for sure you don't have enough money for that. I may never tell you, Mm -hmm. I may never tell you I need it. And that's actually one of the ways that we emasculate, which Mm. we define as diminishing a person's ability to produce results. Mm -hmm. So if I haven't even told you I need it. I've just diminished your ability to produce that result for me, Mm -hmm. right? And if I haven't told you I need it because I can't figure out how you would provide it, well, I've also done something else that's emasculating. I, I have withheld a problem, <laughs> right? And, and any provider, uh, we're natural pr- problem solvers, right? Like, give me a problem. Yeah, like, let me solve that, let me solve that. And we withhold problems instead of, instead of just saying, this is the problem stating the problem what is the problem you guys so want us to just tell you what the problem is you're listening for it and the problem is yeah and the problem is and and we won't tell you right and but if we're like what is the problem what is the need what do we need to start happening what do we need to stop happening what 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 and then that's your job you clear about that and then turn it over to the person you're asking it from and then they can go to work on how they would give that to you, which one of the most disrespectful things we do to other people is we try to make a plan for them. Mm. But it's the other reason why honor yourself first or all is lost. You have a, at least a thousand times more information about you than I will ever have, no matter how well I know you. Mm-hmm. I won't know how much energy you have in your body right now, how much worry you have in your head right now, what you're distracted by, what you're focused on. I'll never know what you know about you. So if you're not honoring you, always is lost. I don't have a chance. I'm guessing all the time. <laughs> I, I say-
0: think that's part of, the, part of the biggest frustration of being a partner with someone else because oftentimes the other person really doesn't know what he or she wants ultimately so therefore expecting me to provide that for them it's blind leading the blind it's very really frustrating so for someone who is needs a little clarity do you have any specific process to help and clarify what is it that they need
1: yeah i do actually um and it it's, it's perfect It looks right around so it starts with being mm. so so what are the qualities of being that you want to bring to this situation this moment this date this evening uh to grieving to um accomplishment what are the qualities of being in this situation okay so so you can prepare yourself for something you can maintain your you can maintain states of being you can restore yourself to states of being so how do you want to be do you mm-hmm. want to be generous, grateful, peaceful, joyful, focused, articulate, intense, mm-hmm. um, calm? How do you want to be? And and this is that world to word match. Like we can actually pick states of being that are that may seem difficult or even impossible to us, and reverse engineer them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and the trick of being is embodiment, so we can, we will, we will be naturally anything we've embodied. So the best states of being are in a state of overflow. When you're so full of love, you're mm. so full of patience, you're so full of peace, compassion, right? That you're overflowing. You're overflowing in joy. So what are these states of being? that you're want to overflow it, mm. And then you ask yourself the question, okay, so when am I naturally that way? Or a really effective question I've been working on for the last year or so is, okay, what is it in my life that when I do that, it leaves me with the feeling of, because that's how you know you've embodied something, because you feel it. Wait, wait and, back
0: in on one sentence. You lost me one <laughs> sentence. One more time.
1: Yeah. What leaves me with the feeling of, so fill in the blank, what leaves me with the feeling of compassion, the feeling of love, the feeling of joy. And one of the biggest myths, CK, about men is that you guys don't feel, or you don't have deep feelings, or you're not in touch with your feelings.
0: Yep. yep. We see that a lot. Yes, for sure.
1: It is baloney you don't reveal your feelings because you're used to them being used against you so you're really smart about it right mm. but the depth of feeling I, i've come to the conclusion that men often feel even more intensely than women do, and that you like blow my mind intensity and so what leaves you with the feeling of it is it sleep is it ch- is it taking your body to an extreme is it a Is a hundred mile bicycle ride? Is it an adventure? Is it making love? Is it time alone in nature? What leaves you with the feeling of the ways of being that you're committed to? Mm. And then those those are needs. Those are the things you need to be the person you're committed to being. And Mm. if you're really committed to being it, then, what you do is you protect those needs like crazy and you provide them for yourself and you ask other people for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you mm-hmm. can, com- you can, com- oh boy, there's a thousand things we could say, but we usually go fishing for what we need. We don't commit to what we need before mm-hmm. we ask another person to commit. Mm-hmm. And how you'll know you're committed to what you need because you're committed to a state of being is you'll have a backup plan if they can't provide it. If they're unable and willing to provide it, you have a backup
0: Beautiful. I'm looking at the time like, oh man, I can't believe an hour has passed already. Holy shit. <laughs> and I'm honoring my promise to you, get you off the hook. in mm-hmm. on a timely basis, I wanted to, I literally can talk to you for hours, seriously. Yes.
2: Uh,
0: I, I want to... Really acknowledge you, Alison, for the body of work that you've done. You know, my grandma just passed, so I'm freshly reminded in the finality of life and just like so much that you have produced and and you know, the ripple effect continues. Every single person in my circle heard about, I'm about to do a conversation with you. There was like, I love Alison Armstrong, I just love you. And then thank you for the work that you do to really helping not only men and women heal, self honoring themselves but also cultivating the facility the capacity to produce a very synergistic productive relationship for their family for the company that they do so Allison mm-hmm. you are a gem i i just so 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 appreciate you i hope that we get to do this part 2 uh sometime in the future so just yeah. really
2: honor you, Thank you so much. very great very great